from Public Radio International. I'm Deborah Amos, and this is America Abroad. This hour, counterfeit crackdown, the global fight against pirated goods. New York City's Chinatown is a mecca for bogus designer goods. Few of those shopping for a knockoff handbag think about the implications of counterfeit trade. In fact, if you're like most consumers, you've bought something pirated at least once. Imagine you're cruising Canal Street in a search for a fake Rolex. You're listening to a song you downloaded without paying for, and it's playing on an iPod you picked up on that trip across the border. You're not sure if it's the real thing, but it works, and the price was right. You're thinking to yourself, what's all this fuss about piracy and counterfeit goods? Well, the fact is, piracy costs money, jobs, and sometimes more than that. What if the antibiotics you've been taking all week are fake and you're getting sicker? You still think counterfeit goods are no big deal? When it comes down to it, it's more than just brand infringement at stake. People die in the developing world because they're taking fake pills, and local textile industries in countries like Ghana are being devastated by pirated prints. And yet, cracking down on counterfeiting is quite a challenge. One reason knockoffs haven't disappeared, people keep buying them. This hour, how to solve the problem of pirated goods. To begin, let's define some terms, like who is a pirate? Joining me now to answer that question is Professor Adrian Johns, chairman of the Committee on Conceptual and Historical Studies of Science at the University of Chicago. Professor Johns, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. First off, what exactly is piracy, and does it encompass copyrights, patents, intellectual property theft, all of the above? Yeah, it, it encompasses all of the various branches of intellectual property. Piracy is essentially the theft of intellectual property, however that's defined. And the thing is that nowadays, because we live in an information economy where more or less anything has some informational component to it, the scope of piracy is extended across the whole economy. So you can find pirate toys, pirate aircraft parts. Anything that has an economic value can be pirated today. What's the best argument for protecting intellectual property, and, and why do we need these laws? There are several different kinds of arguments that are made for intellectual property. One is a moral argument that it's just right to reward intellectual creators. Then there's the argument that there has to be an economy to creative work. You know, people simply wouldn't make the investment in developing new works of music, new books, if there weren't some way of making it a good bet that they would get a return on the investment. Then there is an argument about incentivizing creativity with respect to the public good. It's that it is good for us, for all of us, that we have creative artists out there doing their bit, creating new works on an ongoing basis. So there's three kinds of arguments. There's a moral argument um, a kind of economic argument and a, a kind of moral economic argument to do with the public good. While all of these arguments are powerful and they win people over, none of them is all powerful and none of them has ever been uh, kind of universally effective. So in each case, it can be argued, if, even if the argument is true, the intellectual property system as it now stands is not actually a good manifestation of that argument. And we therefore need a radical rewriting of intellectual property systems in order for them to uh, represent 
that argument, which their very defenders think is so valuable. Why are modern economies so keen on combating piracy? Different nations, different cultures are keen on combating piracy to different extents. So the United States, for example, at the moment is largely the world's policeman about intellectual property. If you're trying to catch up to the developed world, it's not quite so clear that there isn't a, something to be said for pirating. Partly because most of the intellectual property is, of course, owned by the developed world. So if you're in the developing world or if you're an up-and-coming power, you can argue perhaps that the powers that now are upholding intellectual property as a global good built themselves to positions of economic supremacy by systematically ignoring that good. So the United States, for example, in the first generations of its existence, pretty much systematically helped itself to technologies, ideas, sciences from Western Europe. And that was partly what explained the rise of the United States as an industrial power. But let me ask you, it's not that the public is demanding new laws. In fact, most people don't really care. And they'd be quite willing to download a free audio file if they just knew how to do it or a movie. It's not a burning issue with the public. I think you're right. I think it's not a burning issue, um, at least to the extent that the public is not clamoring for new laws about it. I think, though, that... If you scratch the surface and bring home some of the implications of a universal practice of that kind, which might involve, say, the drastic underfunding of uh, certain expensive forms of cultural production, like um, you know, opera houses or something like that, then people stop and think a bit and see that, that the importance of, of paying for creative works is not just moral, it's practical too. That if you want further creative works to go on being made in the future, then there has to be at least some kind of economy of this. Professor Johns, thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much. Professor Adrian Johns teaches at the University of Chicago. His book is Piracy, The Intellectual Property Wars from Gutenberg to Gates. 